In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever into the ages of all ages, Amen. So, you know what's uh, really beautiful is uh, something I really love. When, when, when Jesus calls his disciples, he really calls them just as they are. So when he calls the fishermen and they choose to follow him, he promises them that they will no longer be fishers of fish, but fishers of men. When he calls Matthew, and Matthew leaves the tax office. Now, Matthew was a tax collector. Now, for you to understand a little bit about what it means that Matthew was a tax collector, you have to understand what it meant for Matthew to become a tax collector. For Matthew to become a tax collector, he had to buy the office of tax collector. Similar, but very, very different, but similar to if you were like buying a practice, if you were an accountant or a lawyer and you, and you wanted to kind of, you know, buy a, a, or, or a doctor and you're buying a, 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 a clinic or a, an office or a, a bunch of files. So he was buying the rights to collect taxes on behalf of the Romans in a specific jurisdiction, in a specific area. And that would have been similar to the examples I gave, the equivalent of almost, uh, you know, several years worth of earnings say a quarter million dollars, say half a million dollars. Most people don't have that lying around. So he would have had to sell something so that he could get that kind of money. Now, if you want to come up with half a million dollars, what could you possibly sell? Your car? Well, congratulations if you drive a half a million dollar car, but I don't, right? You're probably going to be, in that order of scale, you're probably going to be selling what? Property. Right now, where did he? Where would Matthew have gotten that property? Matthew would have inherited that property, and the Jews at that time believed that that property was given to them by God, divided to the twelve tribes of Israel, and each tribe was divided by family, by clan, by family, and so on. Right, and each person got a lot, as was divided to them either by Moses on the. Uh, east side of the Jordan River or by Joshua on the west side of the Jordan River, but their family had received that land from God and they were supposed to hand that down as a gift from God from generation to generation within the family. And so they lived on the land and they lived off the land that God had given them and they genuinely believed and felt that they were being fed literally what they were eating was coming to them from the hand of God, which was a reversal of what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God said to them, I will feed you with my hand, not those literal words. Don't go picking from the tree yourself. And they chose to eat with their hand instead of to eat from what God was providing to them with his own hand. So man, humanity chose to eat with our own hand rather than to eat from the hand of God. Entering into the promised land that was reversed. God is trying to prepare us. He's trying to prepare us for a restored life that we will eat from his hand. All of this was tied into the land that they lived on, the land that they ate from. Now, for Matthew to go 
and sell that land and give that money to the horrible, abhorrent, occupying, slave-driving Romans, how hated would that make Matthew amongst his people? Only so then he could collect taxes from them, the Jews, to give them to the Romans. And he would be protected by Roman guard. And nobody really knows exactly how much taxes he's supposed to be collecting. So if he collects a little bit more or whatever, you know, it's easy for all authority to turn a blind eye. So now, this person who was supposed to be like on Team Israel is now considered like, you know, he's a defector, he's a traitor, he's, and that's why tax collectors were hated. They were considered like, they were considered the, the, the worst of all people. Like, it would have been better for you to be a Gentile than a tax collector. So, what kind of friends did Matthew have? Well, certainly not pious Jewish people. Certainly not your church-going Jew, right? They hated him. So who are his friends? Other tax collectors and other sinners. Pimps, prostitutes, you name it. So when Jesus calls Matthew, he doesn't tell him, look, buddy, like I, I, I am like the essence of holiness. So, you know, you're going to have to change up your friend circle a little bit here because this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? Like, I can't have, you know, Matthew and the pimps and prostitutes in my, in my posse. Like, that's just not going to, it's just not going to work, right? It's not what Jesus does. The first thing jo Jesus does after he tells Matthew, follow me, and Matthew follows him, is he tells him, I think I want to have dinner at your place tonight. And it's not written there, but by the context you can understand, Matthew invites all of his friends to meet Jesus, right? The rest of the collection of the outcasts, right? Not necessarily like poor and forlorn, you know, but the people who were hated for whatever, for whatever reason. Naturally, this creates some controversy. Here's Jesus, rabbi, miracle worker close to god this is very early in jesus ministry they still don't know what to make of him surrounded by all these people the point of the message of all of this is this when god calls you from wherever you are to follow him he's not then telling you okay now you have to become saint anthony now you have to become saint barbara and saint juliana now you have to become saint stephen now you have to be no he's calling you because he wants you he wants you he wants who you are with everything that comes with that with your friend's circle with the, the, the circle of influence that you have. When he calls the fishermen, he doesn't tell them, look, now y'all are not very educated, right? But see, Luke, he's a physician. Judas Iscariot, he's an accountant. You know, these guys know numbers. These guys know letters. These guys are educated. You guys are gonna, you're gonna have to, uh, you're gonna have to step it up a level. He doesn't tell Matthew. No, he, he tells the fishermen, 
you're going to continue being fishers, but fishers of men. So don't worry, the skill set you have is the skill set you need. And when God calls you, He's calling you and He's calling me because He needs you. He needs, he needs one just like you. But He needs you and He needs me to do what we've always done for the kingdom. See, Matthew had great parties. Excellent parties full of debauchery. No more, no more for debauchery. No more for relationships. No more for personal gain. Now, to expose all of these people to Jesus so they can get to meet Jesus, so they can get to know Jesus. Matthew, do what you've always done. Matthew, do what you've always done. And in a book I was reading about evangelism, I've shared it with some of you, right? He says, but do it kingdomly. The author's almost taken the word kingdom, which is a noun, and made it an adverb. Do it, an adverb is, modifies the verb. It's an, like an adjective of the verb. It describes how the verb is being done. So, Matthew, throw parties, but throw them kingdomly. Throw them for the kingdom. A friend of mine tried this out. We were talking about this, and he tried it out. So, he invited three or four of his friends that he knew are God-fearing, God-loving young men and women that are relationally intelligent and emotionally sensitive and a whole bunch of his friends who don't know Jesus at all. And he told them, I'm doing this for the sole purpose so that you might have an opportunity to have influence upon my friends, that they may know Jesus. That's the only reason I'm doing this. So he had them over, had a backyard barbecue or something like that. And lo and behold, a whole bunch of new friendships developed from which a whole new family of Christ developed. Later on, they became a small group and did all kinds of great things together. Ten, I think, years, twelve years later, they were still together, last I heard. This is to say that God has chosen you just as you are. And in the first two readings that we read, St. Paul in the first reading and St. John in the second reading gives specific instructions. He gives specific instructions to masters and specific instructions to servants and specific instructions to parents and specific instructions to children. And yes, the instructions that are given to you to do specifically what God wants you to do will be different than the instructions given to the person next to you because you're a different person than that person. And so... Specifically, what God wants from you is different. But in a general sense, in a general sense, it's all very similar. So if we go to Ephesians 6, the first reading, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God, that having done all things, we will be able to stand. And so I'm not going to go through it line by line, but the point I want to share with you here is he tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
And then a little further down, he says to us, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I want to clarify something here. I had always thought that when spiritual warfare, it's going to be like me against all the evil spirits. And since I have like this giant standing behind me named God, he's going to squash my enemy and I'm going to rise victorious. Right? Now, that sounds great and we could probably make it into a Disney movie, but this, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Jesus says, the last man standing will be saved. Jesus says, put on, or St. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that having done all things, you might be able to stand. So, rather, I'm sorry to break it to you, I'm going to take a beating. <laughs> I'm going to be a punching bag. But I'm going to keep turning the other cheek because that's what Jesus says, to keep turning the other cheek, right? And having the whole armor of God, I will be able to endure it. And that is my salvation. And that is my salvation. The first story I know sounds a lot more glamorous and maybe more enticing. But it is also not only is it not true and not what the Bible says, it's also not very congruent with the experience of most people. Most people I know, or maybe if there's a bias, maybe it's just the people I know, maybe I, maybe I attract the people who, who, have, who, are, who are going through a hard time, right? But it's funny, like people see me dressed as, as a priest, People on the sidewalk, people in the line at the grocery store, at the pharmacy, here and there, everywhere, at the movies. One guy pulled me aside at the movies and asked me if he could confess. You know? Person I've never met before. Right? I want to tell you something. Although outwardly it looks like I'm a punching bag, inwardly my new man is being renewed day by day. And the evidence of this this is what I'm sharing with you, that everywhere I go in airports, oh my goodness, airports are fantastic. I could just set up a confessional in the airport, you know? I could make that my full-time job. Every time I travel, somebody that unsolicited talks to me. Back before I was a priest, I would, I would sit in an airplane and read my Bible like this, you know, until the person next to me asked me, what are you reading? And I would share, you know, they're like a prisoner on the airplane where I would share the gospel with them in a sensitive way, but they'd have like, no, I'd have nothing else to talk about, right? And I would push the conversation. Now I don't even need to anymore. The cassock is fantastic, the black dress, right? Inevitably, I'll want to sleep or I'll want to prepare a talk for wherever I'm going or I'll want to read the Bible for my own purposes or I want to do something for me, right? And inevitably, somebody will start talking to me. The world is... The, and this is, this is it, is that the world is crying, crying for the love of God, for the message of the love of God. I see it every day, and that gives me hope. But folks, I can't do it myself. And Jesus says to Matthew, and he says to the fishermen, I can't do it myself. You see, there's fishermen out there that are never going to listen to a homeless rabbi, but they'll listen to fishermen. There's pimps and prostitutes that are never going to come to synagogue with me, Matthew. Invite them over to your house for a party and invite me over too. 
God is telling you and He's telling me, I need you. I need you and I need you just as you are, but I need you to start doing what you've always done for the purposes of the kingdom, for the purposes of the glory of God, for the purposes of the whole world coming to know Him and to come to the knowledge of the truth and thus to be saved. So don't fall into the trap of believing that you're not good enough or you're not, you're not a one day or when I become or when I become like this or when I learn how to preach or when I learn more of the Bible or when I learn to pray or when I... Don't, don't, don't believe any of that. And also don't believe another lie that the moment that you answer to the call to follow God, you'll get whisked away into the Disney movie I told you about where all of a sudden you become victorious in all the world. And God is now the, the big giant who quashes all your enemies. God wants you just as you are, right where you are, and He prays that we would stay in the world, but that God would keep us from the evil one. How is He going to keep us from the evil one? With the instructions He has given us about how to put on the whole armor of God and thus to stand. So I'm not going to be able to follow God's call and stay in the world and stay just as I am and stay focused on God unless I put on this whole armor of God, unless I put on this new persona, unless I put on this new man, unless I am renewed from the inside, not the outside. God is not asking you to change your behavior, your circumstances. He's asking you to, to, to be changed on the inside. That what I love and what I hold dear is now Him. That now I can say with St. Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I can say with St. Paul, whether death or life or principalities or powers or angels or archangels or famine or persecution or whatever it may be, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? That I can say with St. Paul, I would rather love Christ than love life itself. That's a change that happens on the inside. And then that allows me, that allows me to look at the, the entirety of my life's circumstances on the outside and take them with a grain of salt. This isn't going right, and this isn't going right, and this isn't going right, and this isn't going right. Because like we read in the second reading, it's all passing. None of it is of the Father. So it's all temporary. It doesn't have the breath of eternity in it like, like our souls do. So it's going to pass. I got a job. I lost a job. I have some money. I lost some money. I have a roommate who's a jerk. I lost a roommate who's a jerk. Nah. It's going to pass. It's going to pass. Easy for me to say. And I agree with you. I know a lot of you. And I'll tell you, I agree. It's easy for me to say. My brother-in-law was sharing the story of one of his colleagues with me, telling me this guy, told me this guy just always has a smile on his face. So my brother-in-law asked him, I'll finish with this, why he smiles. And he told him, look, I realized that it's all going to pass. Whether it's good or it's bad, it's going to pass. So the good, enjoy it now. The bad, endure it, it will pass. This is coming from a guy who's had everyone in his immediate family passed away within the span of about three years, two of them from suicide. 
changes the context a little bit when you know who's saying what. It will pass. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He who endures to the end who will, will be saved. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. That you may be able to stand right where you are in your circumstances, who you are, so God can use you, not your neighbor or not St. Anthony or not. So he can use you right where you are. Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned forgiveness.